It's time to breathe new life into the social entrepreneur by empowering you to make a living through fulfilling work that will impact lives. You'll make money, but more importantly, you'll make a difference. Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast. It's time to build a business with purpose. Now here's your host, Adam Force. What's going on, everybody? This is your host, Adam Force. Welcome to the show. Today, we're going to be talking to Katie of Devona. I'm not even going to attempt that last name because I know I'm going to butcher it. Um, but she is a co-founder with Mylene Paquin, and they are uh, operating a really cool perfume company. It's a cruelty-free perfume company, which is awesome. Um, but it gets even better because they do have a unique business model that I want to talk to Kate about and learn more. So we're going to unpack that during this discussion. Um, and we're going to just learn how they started this business, how they met each other, and um, how they came up with this really cool model. But the model at a high level, just so you know, is when someone is buying their product, we've all heard the, the, the buy one, give one, right? But this is a little different. Behind the scenes, they actually, when someone buys the perfume, <clears throat> they are contributing a care package so this care package is getting put together and it's given to a survivor of abuse and trafficking, right? So pretty incredible. And we're going to, again, tap into that, figure out how they're doing it and what it's all about. Um, and if you're ever, you know, just wondering, I mean, it's really difficult when you're starting a business and that's why we have these conversations, right? We want to really give you the perspective of all these social entrepreneurs and how they got started, how they got their ideas, um, it's really nice to hear, you know, how other people are doing it. And if you're an activist or not even an entrepreneur yet, that's okay too. Um, we are really looking to talk to you because we want to help you figure out how to take those initial steps. You can be an entrepreneur. Um, and so we want to pull back the curtain, as we said on our last edition with Guy Kawasaki. He's the author of Art of the Start 2.0. Um, he is a brand evangelist for, you know, Mercedes Benz. He worked with Apple. He does, you know, over 50 keynote, uh, talks a year. And so, you know, he's pretty, pretty well, uh, versed in the startup world. So in our conversation, it's an exclusive interview with him. We unfold uh, his insights and strategies and just really tap into his experience on starting a business and what you need to know. Um, and that's to help you take those steps and, and understand what it takes. So that's what that article is all about. So check out the latest edition. We also have an incredible story with Sasha Fisher, who is the founder of Spark Microgrants, and they're doing incredible work for uh, these communities um, who are, she's helping them basically come up with these strategies and projects to scale impact in their communities. Um, so check that out guys, really powerful edition of the magazine. And then in November, we do have our next one coming out with Taddy Bletcher. He's a social entrepreneur awardee and he is just doing work that is mind blowing. So keep an eye out that's coming in November. And it's also going to include a incredible article with Russell Brunson, um, so lots of good stuff, guys, lots of good stuff coming down the pipeline. Um, give us your feedback, let us know what you're looking for. And please, when you check out the magazine, leave us a review on iTunes. It's so important in, in helping us keep this moving forward. So please just take two minutes to leave us a review. We very much appreciate it. Uh, last but not least, um, we will be in San Francisco, the team and myself starting, um, 
that will be September, I'm sorry, October 7 through 13. So if you live in San Francisco and you're going to be there, we're going to be at SoCap at the conference and we'll be in town. You want to get together? Let us know you're there, guys. All right, let's dive into this conversation. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, what's up, Kate? How you doing today? Thank you for joining the show. I'm excited to chat. I'm excited to chat as well. Awesome. Um, so you guys, you know, I came across your information, actually. I know um, Grant, who is the founder of Cause Artists, another great site doing some stuff for social enterprise, and he highlighted you guys um, on his website. And so I've connected with him a few times, and I came across your story, and uh, it's definitely something fresh and different, and I love the idea of you know rebuilding women's lives and, and how you guys are approaching that. So if you could, give mm-hmm. us a little backstory. I know you're a co-founder. Um, if you could tell us, you know, this, you guys are pretty young. It looks like you started in 2016, correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, it, um, I'd like to hear just kind of like, once you guys met, where did this idea come from? Like, why did you start doing this specifically perfume of all things? And, um, how did you get this going? Got it. So, uh, funny story. Um, we basically, um, Mylene and I met online. Um, she's actually based in Ottawa, Canada. Um, and I, at the time just moved to, uh, San Diego from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Mm. Uh, we had an interesting meetup because I knew, um, that I wanted to start another startup. I actually had a Brazilian startup. Um, it was a mobile paper payment company in Brazil that was sold. And I basically wanted to do something different um, when coming back to the States. And I got on a site called Founder to Be, which basically lets you connect with other other founders that have an idea uh, that you would possibly be interested in. So I put my information out and Mylene contacted me within the first uh, five days I was on the site. Uh, And it was was an interesting dynamic uh, because she introduced her idea and it was, to me, it, it was basically like something that was interesting and at the same time something I wanted to do. Um, she actually was the, the creator of our company, which was Nyad Inc. at the time. Oh. Um, we came into a bunch of trademark issues, yeah. like most startups do. You think that, you know, at first your name starting off is, is yours, um, but then you slowly realize after you built everything around it um, that you can't. So um, that was a little bit of a disappointment, but, you know, we found another name which actually works perfectly for us. And we just received our trademark uh, three weeks ago. So excellent. on the other, so that, that basically kind of goes down the path of, um, how dynamic startups can be. <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting for sure. And and where'd the name, um, let me you know if I pronounce this wrong, but Devona, where does that come from? Yeah. 
So basically, um, we were looking at all different types of names, especially names that weren't taken. Um, and Devona actually comes from Divine Woman. And since, you know, our, our, our goal is to help um, rebuild women's lives, and that kind of matches perfectly uh, with what our mission what what is our mission I love it yeah that's a really cool name I was just reading the book um, the the autobiography of Phil Knight he's the founder of Nike and I never even knew this I mean call me dumb I don't know but the the name Nike means victory (laughs) and so it's perfect for them just like yours is perfect for you I mean that's great divine woman I mean perfect yeah, and exactly. And the crazy thing is, is we wouldn't have looked for it if we wouldn't have had a trademark issue. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, it seems like it's a better name, actually. Yeah, I, I agree. Cool. I agree. Cool. Um, well, everything's well done. Um, so I guess, so you agreed. It's like, hey, um, sounds interesting. How did that start? So you know what? I, I've known these founder like meetup sites and I, I've, I've been on like co-founder lab or some others, um, you know, a year ago. And um, a lot of times people talk, 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 and then nothing ever comes out of it. And I was like, ah, these sites don't work. <laughs> and so to hear your story is interesting. And I'm curious, like, okay, so she reached out and then what, did you have a Skype meeting? How did, how did you start building the relationship and actually get serious to like start working together? So obviously the first thing you do is stalk the other person (laughs) to see whether or not, because I mean, you're really building a relationship with somebody. I mean, when you think about, I mean, I think about my last partnership and, you know, I, we hung out, we talked more than me and my husband. Um, so it's almost like a deeper type of relationship where you really need to be connected to a person. So I think a lot of times when people meet online, it's very not uh, for, for, you know, meeting somebody to be a co-founder, they want somebody that they trust. So, you know, they kind of dabble around the sites, but they don't really put forth the effort into trying to get to know the person. So the big, big difference about Mylene is she is very, um, very, what's the word for it? She's very friendly and persistent. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. okay. And so, and like at, at the end of the day, she came prepared. Um, so she knew I had experience and she knew that she wanted me as her co-founder. So she had already had built her business plan and she had already built a commercial around what at the time NIAD was. <clears throat> So she came with more of a value proposition than, hey, I have an idea. Gotcha. Um, so she she had, you know, most of the tweaks, like most of the like intricacies of the business kind of figured out. The biggest difference to me was um, I wanted to um, I wanted to make the model a little bit different than what she had presented. Um, but the, the key thing is, is she was open to it. So it wasn't just her idea what, you know, what she created goes. She was more of, you know, she wanted collaboration. She had a starting point. She had like the skeleton. And basically what we did was build upon it as the months went on. And, you know, we found ourselves talking to each other two, three, two, three hours a day. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was like 
we knew each other and we didn't actually meet each other until, um, so we started basically having the conversations in June. We didn't actually meet each other until November. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we've only actually seen each other in person twice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, that happens too. And a lot of my team I've been working with for over a year and I haven't met them. You know, um, exactly. They can be all over the place and travel gets expensive and uh, every dollar is like, well, I got to invest that in the business. (laughs) Um, Exactly. Well, it's one of those things where you basically, you know, you, you know that, you know, having that face contact is good, but at the same time, if you can, you know, build a relationship through, you know, like just Skype calling, Skype makes a big difference. Um, because you can still see the person yeah yeah exactly exactly it's the next best thing I suppose (laughs) Um, I'm curious so I have two questions that come out of your story which is one why did she think you were the right fit as a co-founder now were you saying she's made that decision like I know this is my co-founder and that's why she sought you out or it was did she say let's work together for six months and see if it's a good fit So we actually, I mean, I think it was after a month and a half, we both knew we were dedicated into the project. Um, it's almost like, I know that, you know, you read a lot of books that say, you know, don't be as trusting, right? Um, because basically you don't know if somebody's going to try really hard and then give up. Right. Um, and yet they own 50% of the company. Um, it was different. It was different between me and her because it's like we didn't have to sign a contract in order to know that both of us were very motivated um, about the project. We both have different backgrounds um, that you know that kind of drive us to to this pro to this project or to this company um, that I don't think both of us we knew that it we're not just going to step away. Right, right. That's cool. And then I guess the other question was, um, you said that you had model tweaks. Are you able to share a little bit about what the original model was and then how it was tweaked, which I assume is where you are today? Yeah, yeah. So um, so basically, um, my Mylene had originally um, with Nyad, she... So first off, Nyad um, basically it had 12. Um, so it still has 12 perfumes, right? Because we wanted to match it against the different personalities. The biggest difference um, to the care packaging. So I'm not sure if you know the model yet. I can kind of give a background on to, to sure. what it is. That would be good. But um, so, uh, so basically for every perfume purchase, we actually... Um, we actually give, or we used to, so the, or the, the first model was we would give individual people votes in order to vote against all the different items within the care package. Okay. So originally, um, the care package items, um, could be anything, right? Could be, you know, like, you know, honest beauties mascara. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
the biggest difference now is we actually completely changed the model to instead of having each individual person vote, um, we put $2 aside for the care package because what we researched is that, you know, people don't necessarily want to take the time to vote. That sounds <laughs> right. really important. But it's the truth, right? They want to feel incremental. They want to feel satisfied that they've helped. But at the same time, um, it just, you know, time is, you know, time is valuable. And sometimes, you know, you don't have the time to, even though it sounds like a great idea to vote on every single product, um, you have to manage your votes, right? And at the same time, you have to physically go on the site and vote for every single product. And that would hold us up on sending the product to the actual receiver, which is our nonprofit partner um, that then give it to, you know, the woman that's rebuilding her life. So we realized that, you know, in essence, it's, that's important, but it's not that important to the end user. Right. So we actually completely took that out. Um, and then also from an infrastructure standpoint, you know, the cost uh, the cost of implementing that, if it's not going to be utilized in the way that we wanted, it just doesn't make sense to put it in. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I, 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 I actually, everything you're saying, you know, now that you say it, it's like, yeah, I can understand why that would be. People, it's, you would think they'd want the empowerment to vote, but it is yeah. um, something that at the end of the day, it's like, ah, do I have to deal with that? You know? <laughs> so, yeah. well, it, it, and, it, and it gives the same, okay, so it gives the same gratification, right? right? Exactly. So we're doing the same thing, but we're basically, we're basically um, in the beginning. So before we would, allow them to vote and to vote. And in addition to that, to vote on the particular, you know, um, uh, category that, um, we're helping at the same time. Cause we also help. Um, so we help women of human trafficking and then also domestic abuse. Right. Um, right. and so, you know, those are two different cat, those are two different categories, um, that, you know, we were going to allow people to choose which organization that they wanted to, you know, vote on. And then also at that point in time, it just then becomes too complex for the model, even trying to explain it to, um, folks, it became very complicated because they didn't understand where, were they buying perfume? Who was going to, where the care package was going? Um, because they didn't know which organization. And so it just, Explaining it, I was like, we need the kiss simple, the kiss, um, the kiss, uh, method, sorry, the, the kiss methodology Mm. in our business plan, because right now we're, the worst thing that we can do is confuse the end users. And that happens a lot with people who are the founders or working in closely in a startup because they know the story, the mission, the background so deeply in their mind that to them, it's like, okay, well, all we're doing is this, this, and this. But when you you start telling someone who has no idea about any of this, now they have to figure it all out on the spot and understand it. It's like, wait a minute. So that simplification is... It's something that you can easily stray from and not realize it because to you it's simple. But then when you start yeah. explaining it to someone else, they're going to be like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. When we started to get, you know, those faces where, you know, it's like a lost puppy dog. Yeah. Um, 
we knew that we had to pivot the model. Right, right. Uh, and then, and then on top of that, the last thing that we changed was, um, and actually, um, cause artists. The reason why I reached out to cause artists is where you um, heard about Devona. Um, they have tons of products um, that are social impact as well. And instead of just putting regular products in our care packages, we specifically chose social impact um, suppliers because basically, you know, it helps other folks as well. It just doesn't help our organization. It helps other organizations to help promote, you know, like when you put money in a company that shows your support. And so if we're, you know, purchasing items from other social impact companies, we're helping support women all over the world as well. And not just for our cause, for other causes as well. Yeah, you know, and that's what I I did find interesting about your model is that you are not just leveraging your own resources. You're actually using a cut from your, you're basically self-funding this idea to contribute to partners who then... I mean, I guess where I don't, where I get a little bit lost is, so you get, you take the $2, you get a pool of money, it goes out to these partners who create a care package. Um, if you're going to multiple partners, how do, how do all their stuff come together to create the, the care package? Where, right. how, yeah, where does that happen? So we actually, all of the products get shipped to us. Okay. So we purchase, okay. you know, we basically purchase everything at like wholesale slash discount because we're another social impact supplier. Yep. And we then, we then build the care packages that can then get sent to our nonprofit organizations. Gotcha. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So you are, you're partnering in multiple layers of people. So you're partnering with the actual product suppliers, the social enterprises, but then you're also partnering with the, um, the nonprofits that are distributing it. That is correct. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, I don't know that I've seen this kind of model before, um, in this, in this structure. So to me, I think it's, it's interesting and I, I wanted to bring it to the table, uh, for our listeners. Um, you know, as it, it, you know, you hear things like Tom's shoes where they do one for one, right? Um, that was one of the initial models that kicked things off, got people excited. And then, yeah. of course, you know, nothing's ever good enough. I hear the, I hear the downside. People are saying, oh, it's a bad model because now in those areas, the people that sell shoes are going out of business, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm like, okay, so what's the win-win? Um, and, it, and I do like what you're doing here. So it is still c- taking part of what you sell, um, whether it's one-for-one one or percent, um, but doing it this way, you're just empowering other partners who are already um, doing something. They already have boots on the ground. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's smart. So, yeah. So our key thing is is um, that it's it's collaborative marketing as well. So we actually, you know, by utilizing other social impact suppliers, um, we also engage their markets. These are the type of um, I would say it's it's our target market that we also want to um, engage with. So by by engaging with these suppliers and doing collaborative marketing, we're actually reaching our market in a different way that's more cost effective to us. So we're not spending, you know, thousands upon thousands of dollars where we don't even know 
if it's going to hit the right people. Because at the end of the day, you know, what I always tell Mylene and everybody else is like, we're not going, we're not going to compete with the Chanel number fives of the world. Right. That's just not, (laughs) that's just not our target market. It's, you know, um, they spend tons and tons of marketing. That's why the prices of their perfumes are quite ridiculous when you re- when you're actually in the perfume industry and you realize the cost you're you you take a step back and you're like why is their prices so high right yeah, like yeah. and it's primarily most likely due to marketing oh yeah um, oh yeah they pump you know they pump, they pay for the largest celebrities but the problem is is that target market is not the newer generation either. So, you know, the newer, or I would say the older perfumes, the older perfume companies, they're still using the same tactics from when, for, from what they used like 40 years ago. But, you know, the newer generation, they don't care about celebrities. They, I mean, they care to an extent. Let me. <laughs> it creates a little sizzle. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, not to the, not to the fact that, you know, they're, they're, going to say, oh, that celebrity um, just came out with a new perfume. Let me go buy it. That used to be the case 10 years, 10 years ago. Now you're seeing a large decline in celebrity perfumes because the connection's not quite there. Most of our, most of the newer generation wants to do, wants to give back to society. They don't just want to live in society. They want to do do something that makes a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think you're spot on. Yeah. And so I think, you know, for us, it's like, you know, we have to connect with the folks that will use our products, right? And do it in the most cost effective way. And the best way that we can think of doing it is one, um, using uh, organically using the markets of the people that we um, purchase from. And in addition to that, the NPOs um, that we also, you know, help Yep. is they have, you know, they have over, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that we can connect with. Right. Right. On their, you mean like with their email lists and networks and stuff like that. Exactly. And so what do they tell people about the packages they're sending out and, and that they're partnering with you? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so, is that an arrangement you make with them saying, listen, we want to do this, but part of it is you've got to be willing to uh, build awareness with your audience. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of a, it's for us, it's a win-win situation where we're basically stating is, Hey, in order to fund, in order to keep on giving care packages to, you know, especially, you know, for uh, the women in the safe houses, you know, cause there's a ton of them or, oh, yeah. I mean, so there's not just one, you know? Um, and so, you know, you kind of create that relationship with the nonprofit organization to say, Hey, we're here to help, but you have to help us out a little bit. You know, we're not asking for you to give us money. We're not asking for, you know, this huge marketing campaign. What we're asking is that you communicate to your group, to your followers, the impact that we're providing. Right, right. Now, and you're looking to get customers out of that, which then funds the care packages. 
Yes. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. It's a nice circular, um, you know, uh, pattern there. That, that makes sense. Um, and it's great if you can get people to comply. <laughs> do you, do you put contracts in place for these agreements? So for the, so the nonprofit, yes, we do. Yeah. Um, for the suppliers, the contract is the purchasing, the purchasing yeah. power. Yeah. So, yeah. um, it, it's because we are purchasing with them and we are supporting their, um, their cause. And in addition to that, we also, you know, help provide marketing around their products as well. Uh, it's almost like if they don't do it, then we move on to right. another social impact. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's, Power of money, right? (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, it's the way the world goes around. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So there's a couple of things I'd like to get into, which is um, product development and then marketing. So we've been talking a little bit about marketing. um, But so before we go any further there, let's just touch on product development because, you know, this this goes for me. I've been I've been personally much a, a publisher, digital marketer my whole life. This is where my my that's my wheelhouse. And so when it comes to physical product development, um, you know, I get it, but it seems overwhelming to me. And when I think about perfume, I'm like, you know, how the hell do you come up with these scents and and test them and get all these products developed? And then, you you know, it's like a huge thing. You got to go through not only the perfume that's in the bottle, but then the bottle too. Um, So tell me, (laughs) here I am, I'm a new entrepreneur or I'm an aspiring social entrepreneur. I'm thinking about this and I'm, I love makeup or whatever. What was your process like to say, all right, where do you start to start saying, how do I develop a perfume? (laughs) Like, where do you start? Got it. So uh, I'll be frank and honest with you. This is more of my leans um, area, but I can kind of touch on it um, as to my experience. So the first thing is, is I'm trying to determine what are the characteristics that fit. So, I mean, if you can imagine, we have 12 perfumes. Right. <laughs> Actually, we have technically we have 13 because during Kickstarter, um, we had a special edition perfume. Yes. So with that being said, is you have to determine what characteristics do you want in each individual perfume. So based upon the personalities, what are the discrete, I guess, smells that would embody a particular personality. Um, So Mylene actually conducted several um, research groups um, in order to determine what were the best, I would say, elements um, or smells uh, that should be a part of a particular personality. Gotcha. Um, She actually picked those out before I came into the picture. Okay. And it was... It was actually quite hilarious because she actually gave me the 12 perfumes and she asked me to figure out which one, which personality it belonged to. (laughs) And the craziest thing is that the smells, I matched the personalities to the T. It was insane. Get out of here. Come on. Yeah. No, and I swear, like, (laughs) it was insane because, uh, you know... The per- and, you know, you don't really think, you know, a, a personality would match a particular smell, but right. you're like, ah, you know, this smells, this smells like, like a medium, like a, me- like a, 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 you know, like a medium intensity for an earth personality, which, you know, which then 
relates to somebody who is shy, you know? So it's, it's, it's crazy that, you know, she had already picked it and I basically conformed or validated that what she had chosen was correct. (laughs) And, and so, okay. So you got the smells, they're tying into what you're trying to reflect and it's like, all right, now someone's got to actually concoct this perfume and like make it. So like, are there, I guess you just got to find people who manufacture perfume and start talking to them. Exactly. Yeah. So you reach out to several different folks to see what are the best. I mean, cause you know, having perfume, you need a chemist, <laughs> you need a chemist that knows the particular smells, right. you know, has the scents that are shipped in from all over the world in order to make the perfume that you that you specify. Right, right, right. Um, right. And it's, and it's never, you know, the first shot, right? So you have to go through several iterations in order to come up with the best smell um, that you think is for that particular personality. And not only that, so that it's not as strong. And in our case, we wanted the actual perfumes to be paraben free, phthalate free and cruelty free. So it kind of limited some of our choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, I mean, this sounds expensive. How do you, you got focus groups, you've got um, development of the perfume, the bottles. How did you fund everything? Is that where the crowdfunding came into play? Um, What was your, your process there? Okay, so in the beginning, it was purely just us and friends and family. Yep, yep. That's, uh, that's always a good move. Yeah, because I mean, at, at an early stage, um, you don't necessarily want to go to investors no. um, because you know most of them will look at you and laugh because you're <laughs> you know, you're, in be- you're in beta phase. Yeah, um, and especially with a product, you need to have your idea kind of thoroughly thought out. Um, in, in order to present. Right. Right. You can't. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's a little bit different than the, than the tech world (laughs) where I just came with, you know, for me, like being in the beauty world is completely different than being in the tech world. Whereas in the tech world, you know, I came with like a small little prototype on my smartphone and that's so, you know, I basically got, um, what's equivalent to, I mean, if it was price per diem, it would be a million dollars um, to start my startup. Yep. And here it's a little bit different where it's you have to fully develop the products and having products is more is a lot more expensive than having, you know, a free web tier on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that is that is tough. So when I think of physical products, that's where my head goes is, oh, man, one, it's it's a lot of upfront research, planning, and then you've got to be willing to put some money down in a product that you believe. And did you have a product validation process before you really put, you know, big money into inventory? Is there, was there a process you went through to, to make sure that people were going to buy the perfume? So that's where Kickstarter comes in. Okay, okay. Um, that's where we wanted to make sure that, hey, you know, we want to thunder product, but we want to make sure before we, you know, order mass amounts of perfumes that it's going to work. Um, and so we were able, um, so during Kickstarter, we, um, asked for 20,000, which I mean, 
is not a lot, but at the same time, it helps validate our model. And we yeah. su- we yeah. surpassed our goal. We got about twenty three or twenty, almost twenty three thousand. Yeah. Yep. And and how did you? Um, execute you know your campaign i mean there's a lot of value in kickstarter you could do you get your brand awareness up there and obviously if it didn't play out so you'd still get brand awareness and maybe you just find out you need to tweak what you're doing or something um but it seems so here it worked out so how long did you plan your kickstarter campaign and what kind of steps did you take to become successful because obviously you didn't have a big email list at the time, uh, I assume. Yeah. You know, so like, were you just doing a lot of personal, hey, support our campaign, you know, notes to people? Like, what was your strategy there? So our strategy was more of publicity. Um, so we actually pa- planned the Kickstarter campaign since the day that we met. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's crazy how some people think that they can pull off a Kickstarter campaign and um, two weeks, yeah. uh, with two weeks planning, because you cannot, I will state that over and over again, because your expectation, you know, you think as a co-founder or as a founder, you have this idea of how people are just going to love your product, right? You have a bias where you're just like, my product is awesome. And as soon as I launch it on Kickstarter, everybody's going to realize its value. And, you know, we're going to surpass our goal by 50%, right? Um, You have, you have that mentality, but then reality hits. (laughs) And I mean, and I'll, I'll be frank and honest with you, you know, on day one, when we released the campaign, it was like, $500 here, $200 here. When it it was like the first three days, it was awesome because we're like, wow. Like we hit, I think it was like, we hit like four grand within the first three days, which was awesome because our perfumes only 45, you know, uh, our rewards weren't as high as, you know, some others, right. um, like our perfumes only 45 bucks. So we had to give, you know, more value for the 45, yep. you know, for, for, for that amount to be an early, um, an early converter to our product. And so, um, but after day, I think it was day 10, it was like, nobody was, um, donating. <laughs> and it, it really became quite depressing where, where you're like, what can we do? What are the things that we can do? Cause you know, at first those first, you know, those first 10 days, those are people that, you know, right. That's it. Yeah, and, exactly. And so it doesn't really validate your, 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 um, your product because it's, people that are your friends. So it's kind of biased. (laughs) Um, And we knew that there needed to be a way and in getting out to other people, right? Because, you know, we had a $20,000 goal. Both of us were at that point in time, you know, we're kind of maxed out (laughs) and uh, we're not going to put 10 grand into, you know, trying to reach our campaign goal. Like (laughs) we have the money, you know? Yeah. Yeah we needed to find additional ways. And that's when we started reaching out to different, um, I mean, it's so funny. Like you really have to have a lot of grit, um, opening a startup because you get so many no's and so many people that basically state like, Oh, we only do brands that are established. And we're like, well, they had to start somewhere, 
I I know. Oh, I've been down that road. They're like, oh, well, this model or this and that. And I'm like, oh, come on. You know, yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. And so, you know, um, even from like articles, um, basically, you know, they're like, oh, if you get endorsed by a celebrity, then we'll, then we'll put you on that. I was like, oh, let me just call one up now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and it was, you know, it, it was trying to find the right networks that, you know, kind of worked best with us. And not only that, tried to get the people that cared about, some of the same things that we care about. And um, Cause Artists was one. Um, we got, you know, even, we even got Frank, Frank for Grantica, um, which is a big blog for per, perfume, like people that love perfume. Okay. So we got good publications from um, organizations that cared about our cause. And so it actually gave us a market that we wouldn't have touched or got to otherwise unless we paid a fortune for it. So publications were really, really, really important for us. We got about over, you know, 12 publications um, while we were in Kickstarter. So that kind of helped. Yeah. Did you give them the story? Like, here's a story, you know, tweak it how you want. So... So there was some kid. Well, there, I would say there's about like eight or nine of them where it was actually like an interview, um, and then there was some that was like, you know, fill out these questions, and then we'll kind we'll see how that m- matches well. So it's it was almost like an interview, but it was like written, so it wasn't as spontaneous as right. This. So they send you a few questions, you answer them. If it's if it's interesting enough, they're going to post it. Exactly. And then some other, so in some cases, they wanted to make sure they wanted, we actually sent out on, um, I think it was two weeks before the Kickstarter campaign started, we sent out a ton of boxes um, with samples um, so that, you know, people can actually smell the perfume, um, you know, because you want, you want credibility to what you're writing. So you want to make sure that the perfume smells good before you start writing about it right um right. and that it fits your model or you know the design you know because you know perfume it's beauty as well but you know our perfumes are it, it's a little bit different than most because we actually put designs on the bottle which you know nowadays you get most of your your perfumes has a fancy bottle with just a label on top whereas right. we have a fancy bottle with a design that's on it that kind of embodies the personality of that perfume. Right, right, right. Very cool. Um, and I and I'm guessing. So, I mean, I guess my last question on the crowdfunding thing. You know, people have all kinds of strategies to market, and it sounds like you guys did real well with your follow ups there during the campaign um, using publications. So, before you launched it, was it you know a month or two like? I guess you can't build awareness too far in advance because people are just going to kind of forget. So maybe a month out, did you start really reaching out to everybody? Exactly. So we started reaching out to the contacts because a lot of times, um, especially with publications, they can't publish until they meet with the editor and then the editor has to make sure that it fits in well with um, with basically like the issue that they're doing. So, um, sometimes, well, in some cases, oh, you went into magazines, not blogs. 
So we went, so we went into, well, I mean, it, we didn't go into magazines. We just went into, um, like, so let's say for instance, in, um, livingly, um, they were doing a, not publication. They were, yeah, they were doing a publication online about, uh, new products that were coming out, um, that had a social impact. Well, that publication wasn't going to come out until the end of the Kickstarter campaign. Um, but we had to engage them literally like two months beforehand in order for that to happen. So a lot of it it just worked out perfectly because I mean, a a majority of time we wanted the, um, the articles to come out earlier in the Kickstarter campaign to build more awareness. Um, but it actually worked out for us that it was spread out during the campaign. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because we had more to talk about on our social networks versus Mm. like 15 articles in one day and we kind of blew up, our followers um, feeds <laughs> <laughs> guys just a reminder one more reminder um. <laughs> this is how great we are <laughs> yeah. so katie tell me um if there was one place that you have traveled to that you felt really impacted you not just business but just life perspective um mm-hmm. what was it where was it and why so um I actually um, am half Filipino. Um, my mother is from Pampanga, Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually visited there for the second time because you have a different perspective when you grow up versus yeah. when you're a kid. Uh, when I, it, it was about four years ago, and we went to go visit uh, where she grew up. Hmm. And it was mind boggling that, you know, my close aunts and relatives that lived over there, um, they were starving. And, you know, for me living in, you know, in a place where I can turn on a faucet and there's clean water, I can, you know, go to the bathroom and you can flush the toilet. And, you know, it's like those there's, there's things that you take for granted, um, you know, isn't, it isn't available there, like safety. Uh, my, my father and I, my, my father is Caucasian. Um, we were driving and basically, you know, we got pulled over on the side of the road, um, because, you know, my dad looked different. So basically, you know, we had to pay the cop in order to kind of get where we were going. So it's like the infrastructure that we have in the States or in the Western world, we take, we take for granted. Uh, The I mean, the key thing that kind of made a difference for me is I have cousins that walk three miles to school every day in the blazing heat. Um, they can't, you know, they the schooling system there is not so good. They have, you know, all ages in one class. Um, so there's, there's only, you know, a certain amount where you can get too advanced for the, you know, first graders not to follow the eighth graders. Right. Um, and so, you know, like they really have to want to go to school in order because mm-hmm. they also have to pay for it. Um, with the no money that they have, they also have to pay for schooling. Um, and the only way that, you know, they can, they can actually pay for school is through people that don't live in the Philippines. It's crazy because, you know, 50% of, uh, the Philippine government, or I would say the Philippines is 
um, I would say is funded by external sources, which is people that are living in the States, people that are living in all other parts of the world, funding their family in the Philippines. Um, and so for me, um, it's like we take advantage of having sc- public schools. Okay. And, yep. you, know, the, you know, these kids that, you know, are suffering on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're still walking that three miles. Or actually, technically, it's six miles a day because it's right. three miles <laughs> and three miles back. Uh. Um, imagine how, you know, how focused can you be suffering, starving, and walking, you know, walking through the, the heat to get to where you're going. Yeah, it's powerful. It's, yeah, and at you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, you think to yourself like what can we do as a society um in order to help folks that are in countries like these. Um and that's why you know, for me for Devona when you know, we choose suppliers, um we choose suppliers that help places such as the Philippines, such as Africa, such as these poverty stricken, uh, poverty stricken um, areas in order to help them because they can't help themselves. Obviously the government is kind of forgot about them. Right. Um, and the only way that, you know, people are, the only way that they'll get funded is, is through companies, um, the for-profit companies that go out there and help them. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And that's powerful. And that's what I, I mean, that's kind of like the essence of this is it's hard, it's hard to really get the same impact, um, as like from seeing something online while you may extend some empathy that way, but actually going there, it's like a sensory overload that inspires you. So it's really, it's actually good to hear what you're saying. And, you know, I do the same thing where I'll be just like, taking a shower and I'll be like, man, I'm just like so appreciative that I have a hot shower, like a simple thing like that. You know, it's like, can you imagine not having these things or walking to get water and walking to school? Like, ah, man, it's just so taken for granted. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, I complain like (laughs) walking to the mailbox. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's literally right around the corner, you know, and you know, these kids have to walk. I mean, they're first graders, first graders. It just breaks my heart. It is. It's heartbreaking. Well, and you know, and that is the whole point though. It's like when you go there and you see that it does, I mean, now look at what you're doing. You're, you're helping women, like you're contributing because you've been inspired. Um, and I think that's what, like most of the people I talk to, it's, they have these experiences and that is really what jolts them to get this motivation to do something that is, that aligns to their values. Exactly. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that awesome answer. Um, Really appreciate it. I want to be respectful of your time. I think this is a great discussion and you shared a lot of really uh, helpful insights for people. So we appreciate that. Um, But we will wrap up and I want you to be able to give a quick shout out. How do people find you? How do they connect? Where do they find your product? All that good stuff. Got it. So right now um, you can purchase our products um, online at devona.co. Um, our Facebook is Devona official. Actually our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter is all, um, slash Devona official. Awesome. Awesome. 
Well, Katie, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And I I really had a lot of fun uh, chatting here. So until next time, um, thanks again. Thank you again. That's all for this episode. Your next step is to join the change creator revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast.